Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. Well, today for our message, we're going to be in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 15 more specifically. So if you have your paper Bible, you can go ahead and get there now. But to to start off, what I want to do is I want to start off with a thought exercise. So you don't have to yell it out or scream it out. But I want you to consider and ponder for a second what comes to mind when you see this word here, compassion. What comes to mind when you think of the word compassion. Maybe to help with this thought exercise, uh, definition might be helpful. I found this definition pretty good. Uh, This person defines compassion, the feeling that arises when you are confronted with another suffering and feel motivated to relieve that suffering. In this same definition, I thought it was helpful. It went on to continue to define compassion this way. Compassion is not the same as empathy. Though the concepts are related, while empathy refers more generally to our ability to take the perspective of and feel the emotions of another person, compassion is when those feelings and thoughts include the desire to help. So what comes to mind for you in your life when you think of the word compassion? Maybe as you reflect on this word, maybe for you, uh, uh, a time in your life somebody was compassionate towards you. Maybe you needed money, you needed somebody to talk to, you needed somebody just to listen to you, and they were compassionate towards you, and they, and they offered you that. Maybe, maybe a time comes up in your mind where you were compassionate towards somebody else, you saw somebody else in need, and you were compassionate towards them and their time of need. Maybe you witnessed somebody be compassionate towards somebody else. I don't know what that moment looks like for you or those different moments, but I thought of a couple different uh, times in my life where I witnessed compassion. Um, The first one happened uh, when I first got my start in ministry. I was on staff at a different church in a different state. And a little bit about this church, this church was, uh, it was more, it was a downtown style of a church. It was more urban centered. And so we had a bunch of homeless individuals that would, that would regularly hang around the church. And so being one of the pastors, being one of the leaders at this church, um, I got to interact with these homeless individuals quite, quite frequently. And there was this one, uh, there was this one man who would come in and he would never ask for much, but this one day, this homeless individual came in and he came up to me and he said, Cameron, can I have some money? I'm hungry. I haven't eaten in a couple days and I would love some money. And so just the, just the compassionate heart in that moment just kind of came out. And I said, yeah, of course. And so I think I, I, think I might've given him like 20 bucks or something and said, hey, here's $20, go, go eat. You can have this. And I share that story because that's, that was compassion, but the compassion part of the story didn't just stop there. Because the next morning, as I'm walking into the church, this is what I found on the park bench right out front. Here's a picture. The man, the homeless individual that I had given that money to, took the money I gave him, went to the speedway up the road, and purchased $20 worth of breakfast sandwiches and set it on the table for the other homeless individuals that they could come by and have a warm breakfast that morning. That's pretty compassionate. That's pretty compassionate. There's another moment in my life just recently 
I went and uh, spent some time with a friend of mine who's in the juvenile justice system. Uh, this young man, I've, I've been kind of shepherding and pastoring and trying to help out for the past uh, four or five years or so. And this young man, just a history of bad decision after bad decision after bad decision, they kind of built up and they got him in this position. And, and just so you know, I don't know if you've ever gone to see somebody in juvie or gone to see somebody in prison before, but can I just, uh, maybe this goes without saying, but it's not fun. Like, that's not a fun place to be, not just for somebody who's free, can freely walk in and out of there, but for anybody involved in that. It's not a fun place to be. And so I go and, I go and visit this man, and uh, he doesn't know that I'm coming. Most of the time, they don't. And so I go in, and I'm sitting in this room, and I'd gone through security, gone through all these checks, and... And, 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 and he's just waiting for me, or I'm just waiting for him, I'm sorry. And so I'm sitting there, and I look up, and I see around the corner, here comes the young man, and he's being led by a guard, and he's got cuffs on, and he's being led, and his head is just down. You can see just from afar that this man is filled, this young man is filled with some shame and regret, and he doesn't like the condition of the situation that he's in. He's going down and he turns the corner and the second he gets in the room, his head lifts up, he locks eyes with me and it was like the weight of all his bad decisions hit him right there in that moment and he just began to weep. He began to lose it, just started to cry. And I stood up really quickly and I said, I said, sir, sir, can I, can I, can I go hug can I go hug him? I want to give him a hug. And the officer said, no, you can't. And I said, can I shake his hand? Can I do anything? He said, no, you can't touch him. And I remember him sitting down and I looked at him. I said, if there's anything I could do for you, I would, but I just can't. Those are a couple examples in my life of compassion. But follow me as I take a spiritual shift here. When you think about your life, compassion is not just something that's good to have. Compassion is great, and it's, but it's not, I wanna go a little deeper, a little further than that. Compassion is not just something that we should have. I wanna go as far as to declare compassion is a spiritual responsibility. That is, if you are a follower of Jesus, we are called to operate our lives in. The Bible reminds us of this in Colossians chapter three. It says, therefore, as God's chosen people, if you've said yes to Jesus, if you're walking in a relationship with him, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion. We are called to wear compassion. Notice when it says clothe, we don't just, we, we wear it and other people see what we have on. Compassion is something we're called to clothe ourselves with. In the book of Ephesians, it says, be kind and compassionate to one another. The Bible calls us, like I said, to carry compassion and it's a spiritual responsibility, but I do wanna press in just a little deeper in this idea of compassion. Yes, it is a spiritual responsibility, but deeper than that, I believe it's a characteristic of God. Compassion is a characteristic of who God is. It's, a, it's an emotion he has, it's a feeling he has. Compassion is who God is. And the Bible reminds us of this in Psalm chapter 116, is the Lord, it says the Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is, key word here, full of compassion full of compassion. Notice what it doesn't say. I practice this when I preach. Uh, sometimes if you heard me preach, a lot of times I like to look at what it doesn't say. Here's what it doesn't say. Our God has compassion sometimes. Our God is compassionate occasionally. 
our God is somewhat compassionate. No, it says our God is full of compassion. He's overflowing with compassion. In Nehemiah chapter nine, it says, but you are a, you are, are a forgiving God, gracious and compassionate. So compassion is something that God has called us to demonstrate and carry out, but compassion is more than just that. It's a characteristic to describe who God is. God is a big God who is full of compassion. So if you would, would you hold that thought? We've been in a series called Raw, When God Gets Emotional, and today we're closing out this series. Throughout this series, we've been looking at different emotions that God feels in different times where he demonstrated these emotions in scripture. We're looking at the feelings of God. And today we're gonna be looking at a story that Jesus told dealing with compassion and some other things. Um, But Jesus would often use stories or parables to help illustrate a point. And so the story or parable that we're gonna be looking at this morning involves three characters. We're gonna focus primarily on just two characters. The first is the father, which is a representation of Jesus. And then the second is the son, which which is a representation of you and I. And then the last one, which we're not gonna be focused on today, is the brother. We're gonna be picking up in Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 24. It says this. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Quick pause for a moment so we understand what's happening. I know some of us are following. Some of us may not know what's happening just yet. But it was custom in this day and age that when, a, when the father would pass away to his children, he would, he would divide up what he, had, what he had accrued, what he had gathered up throughout his life. And so what this young man is saying is, hey, I don't wanna wait. I know that I'm supposed to wait until you pass away, but I don't wanna do that. What I want you to do is I want you to give me everything that you were gonna give me when you die. I want you to give it to me now. I don't wanna wait. Let's continue. Not long after that, the younger son got, got together all he had set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed for his stomach, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Quick pause for just another moment. Just think about, if you could, picture where this young man is at. He had it all. He had his wealth. He had what was, what was given to him early. He took all that money, all that he was owed, and he blew it all. And now he found himself from a high-top position with money. He was living at home with his, parents, with his dad. He had all this stuff, and now he's with the pigs. And I don't know if you've ever been around pigs before, but they don't smell good, Okay. He's down there with the pigs, he's dirty, he's filthy, he's starving, and he has a realization as the story goes on. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father, But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, and here's what we're talking about today, was filled with compassion 
for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Quick, bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. The title of today's message is A Fatherly Embrace. And today we're gonna be looking at the compassionate heart of Jesus. And in this text, I see a couple of ideas about this, about the compassionate heart of Jesus. But what I wanna do before we pray, before we jump into it, I wanna pause for a moment. And there's a question I want all of you to consider since we're talking about this idea of compassion. Where is it in your life that you could use some compassion? When you think about your life, your story, your situation, where you're at in life right now, where is it that you could use some compassion? The reality is, just if you need some help here, we could all use some compassion. We all need some compassion in our lives. And I believe that the Lord actually wants to speak to all of us in here collectively today. So with that, would you bow your heads and pray with me? So Father God, first and foremost, we wanna say thank you for your compassionate heart that you have towards your sons and your daughters. Father, we pray that you would speak to us. So I just ask for a, a, spiritual, a spiritual opening of the eyes and the ears. Would you, would you open up their spiritual eyes and ears, Father, to receive and to see and to hear everything that you wanna speak and show them. Father, we give this time to you. We love you. It's in your son's name we pray, amen. So the first thing I see in the text about the compassionate heart of Jesus, you can fill this in. The compassionate heart of Jesus overlooked all the mess overlooked all the mess. If we think for a moment about the condition that this kid was in, we talk about this idea of mess, the mess that this young man was in. This kid was filthy. Remember, he was down there with the pigs. He, he, he's dirty. He stinks. He's not well off. He's in a bad place. He's really, really messy. A great way to think about the condition that this young man was in would be if this young man came into the auditorium right now, we would all probably smell him pretty quickly. And then if we all turned around and saw him, I don't know if our first response would be, let's go hug that guy. You see how filthy he is? Let's go give him a hug. I, I, I don't know if that would be my first response to him. But the crazy thing is that the father, that wasn't the only thing that the father did. Yes, the father went up and wrapped his arms around him, but the father went a step further. The father actually kissed him. In verse 20, it says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. I don't know if there's ever been a time in my life where I've seen somebody that filthy and thought, I'd like to kiss that person right there. <laughs> I share that because I think we can all agree that the father's response when he saw the mess, when he saw the condition that his son was in, it wasn't normal. It isn't something that we see very often. Here's a spiritual thought for you. The father, he didn't focus on the physical mess. He didn't focus on his filth. If you think about this, the father didn't look at his son and say, I told you so. 
The father didn't look at the son the moment he showed up and said, I knew this was gonna happen to you. I knew the second you came to me and asked for your money that you were gonna go squander and throw it all away and look at you now. I was right. You're just so filthy and dirty. That's not what the father said. That's not the reaction that the father had. The father, who again is a representation of our heavenly father, he felt compassion on his son. He met his son where he was at, and the father abandoned. He abandoned every tradition and norm, and threw his arms around him. He showed him compassion. He showed him that it wasn't about the mess. It was about his son that was lost and his home again. So if we can bring this in the room for just a second, for you personally to think about this in your life, here's a question on the screen. What's your mess? Just for you to think about in your own, in your own life, what is your mess? What are the reasons why, why uh, God shouldn't hug and kiss you? Your filth, your mess, the things that you pick up in your life. I was thinking through a few. Um, maybe for you, your mess is a physical mess. Things just aren't good right now. Physically, you, just, you need help. And physically, it's just draining. Maybe your mess is a spiritual mess. Spiritually, you feel so disconnected from God you feel so disconnected from, from what he's calling you to do. Maybe for some of us, you're living in a heavy, pretty heavy sin. If we could lean in just a little bit, maybe there's some sexual sin in your life. Maybe there's some, some lust, some porn. There's some stuff that you know you should not be doing. Maybe your relationships are just bad, just bad emotionally, you're losing it. I thought of this one, maybe you're just mad all the time. Your mess is you're just angry. You wake up angry. You go to work angry. You come home angry. You're with your family angry. You go to bed angry. When you think about your life, I don't know what your mess is, but the truth is and the reality is we all have a mess. That's the point I'm trying to get across here. We all have a mess. The question is, is what is our mess? The Bible actually reminds us that having a mess is something that we all have, just in case you're in here wondering if you have a mess or not. You do, the Bible reminds us of this. In Romans chapter three, it says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, which summed up means we all have some mess. Every single one of us in here has sinned. We continue to sin. There's things that, that cause us to continue to sin. First John chapter one says, if we claim to be without sin, Listen to this, if we claim to be without a mess, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. It's saying, hey, just so you know, we're all a little messy and if you think you don't have a mess, all you're doing is deceiving yourself. And if this isn't heartwarming or welcoming enough, here's one more scripture to help illustrate the point. In Ecclesiastes chapter seven, it says, indeed, there is no one on earth, no one on earth who is righteous, no one who does what is right and never sins. Summed up, everyone's just a little messy. We're broken, messy, dirty people. Welcome to church. Hope you're doing well. Now the truth is some of us are messier than others. You think about your life, maybe some of you, you don't have tons and tons of filth covered in you, but maybe you got some spots on you. But the truth still remains the same. Despite this mess and all the grind that we pick up along the way, our, our heavenly father still meets us where we are. He still wraps his arms around us, shows us his heart of compassion. Jesus doesn't look at us and say, man, you are just so filthy. 
all that sin you're wrapped up in, I just knew it. You're so dirty, you're so far off. How could you? That's not the compassionate heart of Jesus that he has for us. I was thinking in my life, when I was thinking about this message and I was writing it, a, a time in my life popped up just almost immediately. Some of you guys know my story, others of you guys have never heard it before, a quick summary of my story. For the first majority of my life, I was not a follower of Jesus, not a Christian by any means. I was wrapped up in just mountains of sin. I looked like sin, I smelt like sin. You saw me from a long way off, you'd be like, that boy's covered in sin. I mean, emotionally, physically, spiritually, morally, just way off the path. And sometimes you can just, I think you can all agree with this, is sometimes if you ever seen somebody and you just look and you go, that person's just a mess. Like you can just see it on them. I was that person, just covered in this sin. And, and I share that, that aspect of my life because there, there was a time where my father and I, and I know some of you guys know him, my father and I, we weren't on the best of terms. I had been, uh, I had been um, asked to leave my parents' home and I was, I was living around and I hadn't seen my father for a few weeks. I was running low on money. I think I had like $5 to my name and I stopped at a gas station to try to put just five bucks in my tank so I could get to my job. And, and I pull up, it's in this little old like gas station in the middle of Lexington, Kentucky. And, um, and I get out and I look up and seven pumps down, about seven pumps down is my dad. Out of all the gas stations, of all the time throughout the whole day, there was my dad seven pumps down from me. And can I just share with you the first response that I had inside was this, oh no. He's gonna come up and he's gonna say, son, what happened to you? You're filthy. What, 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 what are you doing? You see the mess that you're in? Do you see how dirty you are? Cameron, I smelt you all the way over there. I know what you're on. I know what you're doing, you're not hiding it. Cameron, you're so, that's not what he did. Here's what my dad did. I don't know if in the moment he knew that I would remember this, but this is what my dad did. He walked all the way towards me. He walks up, he gets right in front of my car, he opens up my gas tank, swipes his card, starts filling my tank up, and then he walks up to me and does this. He wraps his arms around me and he gives me the biggest bear hug that I'd ever had in my life. He squeezes me tight and he just whispers in my, knee, in my ear and says, I love you, son. And he let go and he walked away. I share this story because I wasn't too messy for him. He came up and he hugged me despite the mess, despite the filth that I was in. And friends, this is a representation of who God is towards us. You are not too messy for God. You are not too messy for God. So if we personalize it again just a little bit deeper, here's a fill in the blank for you. You think about your life. Do I think God wouldn't hug me? Do I think God wouldn't hug me? And if I could just lean in for a second while you're filling that in and just remind you of a good, uh, just the truth and the reality, he will and he wants to. God wants to hug you. He wants to wrap you up and kiss you and tell you how much he loves you. In fact, the Bible reminds us of this in Ephesians chapter two. It says, but God is so rich in mercy and loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, this is the response. Even though we deserved death, we deserved all the filth and all the grime that we picked up in our lives, his response was still this, he gave us life. Despite the mess, despite the sin, 
In Lamentations chapter three, it says, the steadfast love of the Lord, listen to this, it never ceases, it never ends. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Maybe some of you all are living in a reality where you think this is too good to be true, that the heavenly father wants to wrap his arms around you, overlook your mess, despite your mess, and just welcome you back home and hug you and kiss you. Little, little quick shift here, maybe a side tangent. For those of us in here that maybe are thinking your life may not relate to the idea of having this massive mess in it, I got a question for you to consider, just, just pastorally, here's a question. How am I showing compassion? So maybe you, when you think about your life, you go, okay, Cameron, I get this idea that we all have some mess. I've got, I got some spots on me, but I'm not covered in this filth. Here's, here's just a question for you, Christian in the room. How are you at showing compassion? Because remember, it's a spiritual responsibility that we're called to carry compassion with us. We're called to carry it with us. So just one more pastoral push that I wanna encourage you with, and you can fill this in. Don't only see the mess. Don't only see the mess. Like when you think about your life, when you see people, are you a little too judgy? And you see people, do you jump to conclusions and does your level of compassion run out depending on the size of someone else's filth and someone else's mess? If you see somebody, you go, oh, that's a little bit too much for me. You, you got yourself into it. You can get yourself out. Don't only see the mess. The truth is, again, that Jesus overlooked our mess. He didn't hold us accountable for our filth. In fact, he still wrapped his arms around us, welcomes us home, kisses us, and tells us he loves us, and we are called to do the same. So that was point one. The compassionate heart of Jesus overlooked all the mess. Number two, the compassionate heart of Jesus initiated a noticeable change. I see this in verse 22 of our, of our text. It says, the father said to his servants, quick, Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. We thought about the idea already about how filthy the condition that this young man was in. But what I find interesting about this story is that when the father has this interaction with his son, he did not leave him looking the same way that he was in when he showed up. He didn't leave him the same way. He didn't leave him looking that way. In fact, the text tells us that he didn't just put a robe on him. He didn't just go, hey man, I think there was a robe sitting over there somewhere. Can you grab it? No, he said, quick, bring the best robe. He put his best on his kid. But I'd like to point out that not only does he change this man's outward appearance, his attire, he also uses this as symbolism from where he was to where he is now. Again, he was filthy on the outside. He was with the pigs, dirty, covered in mess, covered in all this dirt. He overlooked it, didn't care about his stink, but internally he was, he was full of sin and shame and regret. And there was a change that happened internally as well in his spirit. The, the, the story describes it this way in verse 24. For the son of mine, listen to this, was dead. He was dead in his sin, he was dead in his shame, he was dead in all this stuff, he was out there living his life. He was dead, but here's where he is now. He's alive again. He was lost, he was wandering, he was going all over the place, but that's not where he is anymore. In fact, he is found. There's symbolism happening here that there is change, both externally and internally, in this young man. So it points us to this truth and this reality, you can fill this in. When we meet with Jesus, we will leave different. 
When we meet with Jesus, we will leave different. This is a definitive, I'm saying we will, because I want you to understand the weight and the importance of this truth and this reality. When we have an encounter with the compassionate heart of Jesus, things in our lives should start to change. When we meet with Jesus, old things should start to fall away. There's a story uh, in the book of Luke, a reading assignment for you all if you wanna dive deeper into this idea in Luke 19. We're introduced to a man named Zacchaeus and Zacchaeus has a pretty noticeable change that happens to him. In verse eight, it says, but Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Zacchaeus was met with compassion from Jesus and that was his response The Bible continues on in different areas to talk about this idea of change happening, of things being made new when we have an encounter, when we meet with Jesus. In 2 Corinthians, it describes it this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if we've met with Jesus, if we are in Christ, here's what it says. The new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. It's saying out with the old and in with the new. There's a noticeable change that's going to happen. The new creation begins to form in us. In Ezekiel 36, 26, this is the promise that it says, I will give you a new heart. I will give you a new heart. I'll put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone. And he wants to give us a heart of flesh. There is change, friends. Listen, there is change that happens when we meet with Jesus. When we encounter Jesus, the truth, the reality, the gospel truth is that we experience change. When I met with Jesus and I was confronted with his compassionate heart that he had towards me despite, despite all the filth in my life, things began to change. My friends, my time, my finances, my outlook, my attitude, my perspective, the things in my life that I thought were so important, things began to change. And friends, I'm, I'm here to tell you, I don't have it all figured out. I'm still trying to work this whole thing out, but I can promise you this and I can tell you this, that, that every day I try to meet with Jesus and the closer I get to Jesus, the more of his compassionate heart I get to witness, the more change I begin to see, I begin to see in my life. So if we personalize this idea of change and change happening in our lives, here's a question for you to consider. You can fill this in. Where does God want to bring change in my life? Where does God want to bring change in my life? Think about some ideas. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe God wants to bring some change in your marriage. It's just, if you think about your marriage, maybe it's not awful, but there's just some things that you know the Lord's saying, hey, listen, it's time, it's time to bring a change in that. Maybe it's not great. And the Lord's saying, hey, just so you know, it's time to clean some of that mess up. Maybe in your relationships, the inner workings, what you talk about. Maybe it's just filled with gossip and just, just things that tear people down. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's what you spend your time on. The Lord wants to bring some change there. I mentioned this earlier, but maybe what the Lord wants to do is bring a change in your attitude. You're just angry all the time. I don't know where the Lord for you wants to do, but my encouragement for you would be this. Take some time and consider where is it that the Lord wants to bring some change at in your life. I wanna finish our time uh, by sharing a story about a friend of mine uh, I was introduced to uh, about a year and a half, a couple years ago. Um, Great guy, here's a picture of him, it's on the screen. Uh, His name is Justin Hadlock. 
Justin Hadlock, and we're gonna, can we, if we could leave this photo up for just a minute as, we, as I share his story, I think it'd be helpful. Uh, for those of you guys that don't know, if you couldn't tell, uh, he's a tattoo artist. Um, just in case you were curious what he did. Um, <laughs> Justin's a great guy. He's a great dude. We text, we, he, he was, uh, when we met, he was able to share some of his story with me. And I think it's a story worth sharing. A little bit about Justin and his mess that he was in. Justin was strung out on drugs. He watched his wife die of an overdose. He had anger issues, addictions, and a series of bad decisions mixed in with some things that aren't as extreme, but I'm sure many of us battle with as well. That was his mess. But he showed up to church one day. Somebody invited him, and he went on to share. He didn't even feel worthy to be there. He, says he, he, he often says that he feels like he stands out, which makes sense. While in the service, he had a moment with Jesus that in all regards is much like our story when we're met with the compassionate heart of Jesus. He saw Jesus for who he really is, who knew Jesus was calling him home, and he just wanted to put his arms around him and welcome his son back. Justin accepted Jesus that day, and I wanna share the change, the noticeable change that happened in his life. This is where Justin, we know his mess, now this is where Justin is now. He's now married, serves on multiple teams at his church, he's plugged into a small group, he owns a successful business, has custody of his kids, and speaks regularly at a juvenile detention center. You could say that there's a noticeable change that's happened in Justin's life. A noticeable change that happened when Justin was confronted with the compassionate heart of Jesus. And friends, that's what Jesus wants to do with every single one of us. He wants to meet us where we are in the midst of our season, in the midst of our mess. He wants to meet us where we are. He wants to wrap his arms around his son. He wants to wrap his arms around his daughter and welcome you home and say he's so proud of you. He loves you despite the mess. He wants to hug you and just tell you how proud of you he is. So here's a challenge. Here's a challenge for you this week. It's your last fill in the blank. Thank God for his compassionate heart towards me. If you could, this would be great. If you could take some time this week, it's a great practice to ponder and to walk through these different ideas and characteristics of who God is. And God showed compassion. God has shown compassion on all of us, whether we've recognized it or not. And the truth is, is we should take some time and recognize this idea, this level of compassion. You can walk through this in prayer. A great way to do this is just pray through your story and begin to tell God the different times in your life where he's shown you compassion and say, thank you, God, for that. Another thing you could do is journal it journal it down, write down your story, write down these different moments where God has shown you compassion. We, friends, we serve a compassionate and loving father that welcomes us all home to him. That is who he is. He's a big God who is full of compassion. So to recap, the compassionate heart of Jesus overlooked all the mess and the compassionate heart of Jesus initiated a noticeable change. With that, would you stand and we're going to move into a time of ministry. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church weekly message podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.